Welcome to Misinformational, hosted by Rebecca Jones and produced by Big Mouth Media. This weekly podcast with Florida COVID whistleblower Rebecca Jones dives into the world of disinformation and how it's hurting America and democracy. Now, here she is, Misinformational. My name is Rebecca Jones, and you are joining us for this week's episode of Misinformational. And today, as we're filming, is my birthday, July 25th. I turned 34 years old. And Happy birthday. Me, yay, I'm old. According to the public, you know, when Hillary Duff turned 35, she was supposed to be disgusting and old. Everyone was like, oh, she looks good for 35. I was like, damn, I got one more year till I'm dead. But I'm joined, as always, with the amazing doctor. How are you today? Fantastic. I'm back in the sweltering hellhole that is Florida after traversing our beautiful country from Florida to Maine. But uh, I was going to say just a little levity. So if you were in Japanese, they say if you're older than 25, you're an old Christmas cake because Christmas is on the 25th, right? So you're already, you've already been old according to Japanese standards, but you could still have a kid. And as long as you have a, another kid before 35, you're not a geriatric uh, mother, you're not advanced maternal age yet. So, Good. well, I'm not nice. doing that. Um, so, and you're, um, you're actually, see, I'm like an elder millennial or a geriatric millennial, but you're still like fully in oh, I'm millennialism. Yeah. yeah you're um, <laughs> but I'm, I am done with the child bearing um, stuff, not resetting that clock, um, especially with the, the way the world of the country is going. That's not so great. But this week, we've got a range of topics to cover for you. We missed last week. Um, Cindy was actually stopped uh, here for my house for a night on her pit stop up and down the country. And um, so we didn't film last week, but here's this week's. And we're going to be talking about the QAnon Sound of Freedom astroturfing movie. Ooh. We're going to talk about how slavery was not, in fact, beneficial for slaves. Not we're going to talk about Ron DeSantis lying on his FEC forms. And apparently now we're going to talk about his fender better because that's all the news this morning. So yep. which one would you like us to dive into first? I want to do the fender better only because I feel like we can get over it really quickly. Yes. I know that it happened in Chattanooga. There's no injuries yeah. reported. So, it's kind of early to be drinking. So, <laughs> well, the funny part is, is that the only vehicles involved were DeSantis's campaign vehicles. Or actually, apparently they were government vehicles, so I guess we're paying for that too. Um, but uh, they were all in his campaign. So a fender bender with their own campaign in which no one was injured. And of course, all of the news articles about his racist slavery comments. Um, and what was the other thing that he did that was, oh, the Nazi tweets that he put out. Um, and a whole bunch of other stuff got buried under literally every single outlet making it breaking news that Ron DeSantis was in a fender bender with his own campaign vehicles in Tennessee in which no one was injured, which doesn't really seem like news. If I get into a fender bender, it's going to like fuck my day, but it's not breaking news. Most people don't. Um, but it, it did effectively bury all the other bad stuff. Car crash? Nazi tweets. Hmm. Well, that's the media. Um, and DeSantis has always been brilliant and savvy with manipulating it. And I'm sure that he'll play this up, thanking God that no one was hurt. Oh, yeah. He'll use oh, it yeah. as a way to invoke that he's the God's chosen candidate now, even though the man right. doesn't believe in anything bigger than himself. So, which thank God for that, because frankly, an actually devout DeSantis would be terrifying. Would be Yeah, there was a lot of people that were like, oh, prayers, you know, to DeSantis and stuff. I'm like... No one was hurt. Uh, like, yeah, he's going to have a bad day, but he's managed to, you know, I'm, I haven't seen it yet, but I put money on that he exploits this. And um, because that's all he does. I mean, how nobody else would have known. No police were called to scene or anything like that. So the only reason anybody knows is because one of his people told the media, oh, my God, we were in a car crash. Turns out it was a small fender bender in which no one was injured with his own campaign vehicles. He probably ran one into the other one, dented it a little bit. It was like, oh, my God, just, God spared the sentence from the car crash. And 
Well, here's what's funny about that, that it happened in Tennessee, right? But the roads in Florida are the most dangerous in the country. So it's really like what's much more likely that he would get in a car crash in Florida because uh, we just have insanely poorly designed uh 20, 30 year old, you know, designed infrastructure, incredibly with the number one in the nation for uh, pedestrian deaths. Uh, so yeah, you know, it's, um, it's actually a miracle that he's lasted this long. Well, he normally just flies from city to city uh, mm-hmm. using oh, the right. in Florida. So he doesn't really have yeah. to drive anywhere, but from the airport to the hotel. Um, but so that happened. And we that can kind of jump us into the next story. Uh, we can talk about how slavery was not in fact beneficial for slave. The reason why it's a good segue is because DeSantis's new education policy um, requires teaching in all Florida public schools that slavery provided benefits and job skill training to slaves mm-hmm. and that it was not all horrible. It additionally uh, forces instruction in this, I, I don't know about a better way to paraphrase this, about black on white violence. Well, that part I didn't hear. I did see that it was like part of the middle school curriculum and that there might be some ties to the PragerU curriculum. Um, This is like their design and how they had set it up. And yeah, that it was personal benefit. There was a personal benefit to the slaves, uh, to the enslaved people. And because he has far reach, all of the far right and center right media organizations immediately began defending that position. So mm-hmm. this weird looking dude on Fox News, there's a clip going around, um, said a lot of things that were false, uh, including that slavery only lasted four years. The Civil War lasted four years. Slavery lasted for hundreds of years. Really, if we're talking about all over the planet, it still exists today and it's lasted for thousands of years, probably since the beginning of commerce. But um, African cattle slavery was about 450 years. Yes. So not four years. And there were people, generations, I mean, that's a very long time, who were born slaves, lived lives that were not of their own, and then died slaves. They did not have a personal benefit. Um, If he's talking about specifically, let's play devil's advocate here, about people who were freed from slavery after the Civil War, because for some reason that's when slavery existed only in their minds, um, that all of a sudden they had all these great skills to go start their own businesses and become, you know, pioneering entrepreneurs Give me a fucking break. I mean, seriously, are you kidding? Like that is okay. So it's false on its face. It's offensive and insulting in so many different ways, but you can tell that it's false on its face because the actual history is, is that one of the major investments that still to this this day has a legacy is the HBCU, the historically backed college and universities that were set up during reconstruction to provide skills and livelihood skills for the freely the the newly freed enslaved people okay that the reason that we have that is because that was invested in because they didn't have skills to have jobs okay so we had a whole system set up that's still there today so and it's, it's they cool were fun. not of course allowed into white schools or universities um so this I, I mean come on it's really hard to get past the offensiveness of such a statement like that let's not forget that you know black men did not have the right to vote for what another 30 years and that women did not get the right to vote until 60 years later almost so i mean full enfranchisement for the vote of uh people who had been slaved in the united states didn't come until after the voting rights act in 1965 so you're talking about almost 100 years before full enfranchisement yeah and of course by constitution um let's see I guess no. I was I was off somewhat on the year 1870. The Fifteenth Amendment granted African American men the right to vote. Right. Of course, women would not get it for 50 years later, regardless of race um, or slavery status. But and there would have been girls in 19 or women in 1920 that were born slaves. So, you know, that's let's we have to keep time 
Well, I mean, (laughs) like I've even heard, and this is like going back into like the Rush Limbaugh, early nineties AM radio stuff. But I've heard in the conservative media sphere, people say things like just the fact of being brought to the United States was an advantage for people who are in traffic and sold and beaten and raped and all of the other things was right. just such to their personal benefit. I guess if you're going for the whole, you know, adversity strengthens, I, I don't know. I can't, I really can't. It's not even it. that. It's, it's, it goes back to this exceptionalism. It's, oh, it's obviously America being a, uh, a country that is based in Christianity, Judeo-Christian values, and based on white supremacy is going to be better than any African country that they came from. That's the idea that's leading to these comments. And that's actually what's embedded in this part of the now Florida education system, where there's the audacity to say something like, oh, yeah, well, they got some skills, it was better. But it leads back to this idea that, oh, well, obviously, whatever happens in the United States is going to be better than where you came from in Africa. Yes. And so the guy who said this, I guess, is Roger Waters. Is that him? Wait, no, that's not him. That's a different, that's a different person. The Fox News guy's last name is Waters. Oh, with two T's. So wrong waters, but apparently another guy named Roger Waters is anti-Semitic um, as well. One of the follow-up comments was that um, the Holocaust was also not entirely horrible for the Jews. Um, I saw that one when I was going through and somebody said, I wonder what he would think about the Jews and Holocaust. And then they posted a clip of him. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I think there's a lot of angles. That Rationalization. Yeah, it's there's a lot of angles where they're trying to work this. The first is anti-white guilt. Now, DeSantis has always been a racist. I mean, I one of the stories that I wrote earlier this year, looking into his childhood and his family. I mean, he was a member of a very racist, like or what you would call it, uh, administrator for a very racist Facebook group. Um, his father is a flaming racist who has said some horrible, awful things about black people. Uh, so this is who he is. That's always who he is, and his early pushes to be, you know, anti-white guilt included allowing students to basically check out of classes that taught about slavery if it made white kids feel uncomfortable. So he basically created cuddle rooms for white kids if they didn't want to learn about slavery, they could opt out of it. And this kind of continues along that same path of thinking that he's rewriting slavery, which of course he's not the first to do, and he's not going to be the last, and he's not the only one right now doing it. And everybody across the South did it. <laughs> yes, um, and and continue to do it. Continue, but, yeah. um, even in Mississippi, where I received most of my high school education, I was never taught that slavery was beneficial. They were very frank about their history, and I guess Florida is no longer being frank about its so I think that's part of it. I think it's, a, again, a campaign against this woke thing, which is just doing wonders for his polling numbers. Um, still does not seem to understand that nobody gives a shit uh, about the whole woke fight. But I think it, it goes back to the heart of what most of this stuff really goes to, and it's white supremacy. It's teaching that the white people were not bad guys. They were just existing in their time, doing what was acceptable for their time. We hear that about, oh, it was a different time. Um, Which is one of the most- Where they set up slavery. Yeah, that you could use for anything ever. Um, There are always people in those times who call out those crimes, fight to end those crimes, and oftentimes lose jobs, careers, or lives for doing it. So that's a completely bullshit argument to begin with. But um, this goes a bit further and is trying to make, again, white people the savior of black people Mm. through slavery. Mm, That's right. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's always good. Well, you know, so here's something for me too. Like um, I have just actually on my vacation, I got an opportunity to actually read or begin reading the 1619 Project. And so this is the book version that came from the New York Times Magazine by, um, you know, that was a compilation of history and essentially a recasting of history firmly putting into place where slavery and white supremacy were in our narrative. And I will tell you, even as somebody who 
is very uh, aware of the history. The jarringness of, of really coming to terms with how bad it was, how integral slavery and enslaved people were to the development of the country, to the development of our economic system and how it was held onto through the Revolutionary War and then into the development of the nation, it really flies in the face of what people have been taught about this this beautiful national narrative of freedom fighters and, you know, and, and I do, I, I could feel it within myself, right. Of like, Oh, this is really like shaping a different story than what I've been told my whole life. And I think it's that feeling right there. And of course, if you remember the 1619 project was the, when that came out, there was ba backlash across the country. People were, it was being banned. It got banned in the state of Florida from being used in public school education. And then it trans, because the 1619 thing wasn't um, as catchy, that then became CRT, critical race theory, right? Because then that, that became part of the parlance of how people were talking about it. And of course, 1619 was the year that the very first ship of enslaved people from Africa came to the United or the North American continent. And it was prior to the Mayflower. So it was, it was a big deal in terms of um, the foundations and who really built physically built this country. Yeah. I thought I had it on my bookshelf. I see 1491. I see the January 6th report. I guess I haven't dug out that box yet, but um, I really encourage people to read, especially the essay about um, the American revolution. Because, you know, when you when we look back at the American Revolution, obviously, we've written it to glorify ourselves and our righteous, you know, path to independence. People need to keep in mind that the only parts of the country that fought in that war were, you know, the colonies. The rest of the country was still in the hands, mostly of the French and the Spanish and then various Native American um, tribal governments. And so it was a tiny little part, tiny part of our country that did that. And then they bought everything else um, because they had slaves. So it was, there that was a rising part. tide to end slavery across the whole world at that point mm -hmm. in time in the lead up to the American Revolution. And this is one of the things, this is why I say you should read it, um, because it documents very well how this kind, how slavery played a role in the American Revolution, aside from just making them fight and die. But um, England specifically had already had rulings that deemed slavery unconstitutional or against, I guess they were constitutional then. Common law. Yeah, common law. And um, other nations had also banned slavery already. And most of Europe was, right. if not on that path, very near it. And so right. the tide in Europe was definitely going towards ending slavery. The United States only made money, the, the wealth that they had that enabled them to fight back. And no, it wasn't just farmers with pitchforks or whatever you think it was. Um, it was a very well-trained uh, military force. Um, they did not want to end slavery. And right. it was not just taxation without representation, which by the way, we still subject people to in multiple parts of this country, including Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. including Puerto Rico and Guam and the U.S. Virgin Islands and every other territory that has to live by our laws but has no say in the shaping of their laws aside from their electoral college vote. Um, so that's theft, according to our founding principles. But we do it. I live like 10 miles from D.C. You go down one side of the road, it's D.C., no senator, no House of Representatives. You go down the other side of Maryland, two senators and a House of Representatives. So, yeah, it's bullshit. But um, seeing the way that England was progressing towards ending slavery and forcing our new country um, to follow suit was not right. something they were going to allow to happen. And it was a huge part of why they decided to take up arms against England and declare their independence and we maintained slavery for quite some time after that, well beyond years, any yeah. other European country. We're talking decades after every other European country. Right. And um, that personal benefits 
of um, fighting a war for independence, which I'm not saying should not have been fought, should not have been won. Monarchy is bad. Um, you know, all that stuff that we profess that we fought for is bad. But um, let, we can't undercount the role that slavery formed in creating the United States, aka the 13 original colonies. But, you know, it's it kind of goes to this almost being so outrageous, you can't be taken seriously, but keeps him in the news. And this one did not work well for him. And so all of a sudden he's in a fender bender and we're going to write stories about how he was in a like single vehicle fender bender in which no one was injured. And he's going to be like, oh, thank God I was spared from, I don't know, another head injury or whatever made him evil. <laughs> um, the last the last thing we'll talk about to stand before we move on is that, um, and I've been dealing with the media circus of this for the past, I don't know, week it's been almost. I can't even remember. The half, my, I think. Yeah, my name appeared on Ron DeSantis's FEC filings as making thousands of dollars a month as a member of his payroll. Now, before checking in with me or asking me if I suddenly, you know, maybe got hit in the head too hard and decided to work with Satan. Um, the Miami Herald tweeted out, oh, that's not a name I ever expected to see on DeSantis's campaign staff. And um, I kind of commented, yeah, me neither. What the hell? I was like, maybe you should do that investigative reporting job where you find out how DeSantis is like one of his most public nemesis ended up on his payroll because either A, he's completely psychotic and still obsessed and went to the extreme length of finding someone who spells their name the way that I do just to hire them just to cause this problem or B, they're money laundering or something else and they're using fake names and some asshole on their campaign staff thought it would be funny if they used my name. Either way, that's a big fucking story. And yeah. they Story, not a story about how I've been a turncoat since we're using, you know, American revolutionary, revolutionary uh, terminology and went to work for the person who has both tortured me for years and who I've dedicated the last several years of my life to trying to take down. I mean, politics is crazy these days. And frankly, there's a lot of stuff that would not surprise me. That should have surprised them. The Miami Herald has worked closely with me for years. They know better. I've never worked with this specific reporter because he does like presidential stuff and Senate stuff. So we've never crossed paths. Um, but I talked to Mary Ellen Klaus and I talked to Sarah Blasky at the New York Times. I'm oh, sorry, the Miami Herald. And both of them are trying to find out how my name appeared on that and are not coming up with any results. And uh, there's also an, another reporter who's looking into it right now. I filed a complaint with the FEC. Um, I have to go get something notarized, certifying that I am not and have never been affiliated with, paid by, or worked for the Ron DeSantis for President campaign, um, which I will do today, and then send it in. And um, that's insane. Either he's still psycho-obsessed, which let's be frank, he probably is, during his first CNN town hall with Jake Tapper, um, one of the things that he went after them about was the media narrative around him failing when he reopened the state. Um, he's talking about me. There was one person at the center of that controversy, and that was me. And then Fox News wrote an article that said CNN or DeSantis blasts CNN to their faces about me fake media narratives and then has like four graphs just about me. And so I posted it, and of course, Community Notes, which has been completely hijacked, um, commented that this article does not name Rebecca Jones, Ron DeSantis did not name Rebecca Jones. And so, of course, I screenshotted the article, which did, in fact, fucking say Rebecca Jones. Um, but Fox News then wrote an article saying that I got community fact-checked for saying that their article mentioned me when their article mentioned me. It, it's bizarre. The whole thing is bizarre. But um, yeah, so we'll hopefully find something out about how the hell my name ended up on his payroll. But um, interesting stuff. And I wonder what else they're up to, to say the least. I would be, if I was some billionaire, multimillionaire donor, very cautious about giving money to someone whose campaign staff at a minimum and him himself uh, possibly is still obsessing over that data person he fired three years ago. 
that's not a healthy person or campaign. Okay. That was no, he's a weirdo. It doesn't matter. And he's tanking everywhere. And uh, the only hope that he has is that they actually throw Donald Trump in, in prison before the election. <laughs> I have a theory about that. Um, do you want to hear it? Yeah. All right. I could be wrong, but you know, if I'm right, we'll save this and then we'll use it. That's right. <laughs> Only if I'm right, will we use it. <laughs> I think that the GOP has been in crisis, first of all, since 2016. Mm -hmm. The powers that be within the Republican Party never wanted Trump, never liked Trump, right. thought that he was a great spectacle to draw out support, didn't think he'd win the nomination, um, don't want him to win it now. I mean, they kind of anointed Ron DeSantis as their MAGA part two person, but he's nobody likes him, so it's not working. Um, I think that's why Chris Christie got involved. But I think that they know Trump's going to get convicted. His trial date is set for May. Now, that's most of the primaries. Yeah, the first one. Um, well, there's no the, March is the um, the Stormy Daniels. Oh, well, nobody's going to care about that. They didn't care about the E. Jean Carroll thing. I mean, there, if it's a civil suit, then it doesn't have any. No, this is the one, the, the New York State one, where it was, he was manipulating things around. No, the campaign Let's, finance stuff. Yeah. He, he won't get jail time for that. Um, the documents case, he might. And I think that what is happening right now is everyone is vying for second. Sure. Everyone who's in the race is vying for second. They don't need to be first. They need to be second. Because when Donald Trump is convicted and then sentenced in May, which is after the primaries for most states are over, um, they're really over by the end of like mid-April. Mm -hmm. um, the conference or whatever they call it, convention, the RNC convention is in July. That's plenty of time for trials do not take a long time. They take a couple of days. And the jury is only given so long to either, you know, acquit or convict or to be hung. There will be a verdict by the RNC convention. And I'm fairly certain they think he's going to be convicted. I think the GOP at that point is going to kick him out. Um, that's like in the plainest terms, I think they're going to kick him out. I think they know that their party is doomed if they continue to line behind Trump. I think that there are people in the party who want to rebrand the GOP as something else. The best opportunity of that is to have Trump convicted, be in prison for however short time it is. I'm sure it'll be short. Um, and that's not to say that the other investigations won't yield more time while this is all ongoing. Um, they're going to say we can't have a candidate who's in jail for felonies. And that will be a righteous stand. It will be seemingly righteous. Um, the GOP doing the right thing. And I think there's going to be a bloodbath at the RNC convention to pick a candidate. None of the people that people voted for will matter because right. at the end of the day, it's up to the RNC. Right. It's up um, to the delegates, actually. Yeah, to, to vote. Um, this, so it doesn't matter who they vote for the primaries. The RNC gets to decide. And whoever comes in second will most likely will have at least the best argument to make themselves the nominee. Look, next to Trump, I came in second. It would make sense that we give it to the second place person. It's a good argument. But if it's close, which right now second place is very close. It's like split almost evenly between um, the Vivek guy, Ron, Vivek and Chris Christie's rising the polls as well, then it's going to be a bloodbath. And um, I think that's probably why you won't see people drop out after like Super Tuesday. I think that they're already courting delegates and states and making their arguments right now. Um, and it's why they probably don't care so much about the polling. And um, whoever they pick will reflect their new path. And DeSantis is very powerful and he has a lot of dirt on a lot of people. And I think it's possible he could come out of that. But I think the party is done to an extent with this kind of personality. Mm -hmm. They've seen what it does. Um, there are parts of it they like, but on the whole, they do not like it. 
And I think DeSantis has gone so far right that they don't want it. Now, so here, I was going to say, I think that you're right. I think that you're totally onto something. But here's another piece of inside intel from Florida. The Trump camp knows this. And this is why they have, over the last two years, been working to take over the local GOPs. So in my area here in Southwest Florida, we see both Lee and Collier have been taken over by slates of candidates who were funded by Mike Flynn, right? So this is the Mike Flynn, Donald Trump, Russia uh, triangle, okay? And they are totally this anti-establishment, and they've put Ron DeSantis in this establishment lane, okay? And so I think, and because those are the folks that essentially put up the delegates, right? I don't know the rules with the RNC, but uh, basically you have to be a member of the party and the state party, and then you have to be elected by these folks to become a delegate. So I think that they've been working to also play politics with their own local parties because it's going to be a civil war within the Republican Party is what it comes down to and whether but or not they have enough of those delegates. I think all but just a handful of Florida's elected Republicans have already endorsed DeSantis. And so that is going to be... I don't know. There's a lot. I mean, you got Greg Stubbe, you got Donald, um, Brian know, Donald. They know. The statewide folks... DeSantis of- will still be governor when he loses right. the nomination. And anybody who votes against him, does anybody really need an example more than this of what he does to people who betray him or speak out against him. Oh yeah, you're right. So what has happened, what you see is actually a lot of state senators and state legislature leaders have lined up behind DeSantis. Your statewide electeds have lined up behind DeSantis. Your federal folks though, the majority of them have lined up behind Trump. And then the federal officials, they don't answer to the state process. They don't answer to, yeah. And so they have a layer of protection that state people do not. And DeSantis will burn to the ground anybody who does not vote for him. Now, I'm not saying that Trump won't have representation at the bloodbath. He will. But the party itself is going to try to cut him loose and claim that they're, you know, they don't want to be this party anymore. They've had a conscience of crisis, blah, blah, blah. They want to just go back to old fashioned GOP corruption. And I think the person who embodies that most is Chris Christie. Now mm. he is your old school pre Trump pre MAGA, you know, the whole bridge scandal and all the other shit that he did that was illegal. Nobody really got hurt. So he's, he's kind of like, you're more, traditionally corrupt GOP person. He's controllable. He's smart. He's even tempered. That's who they want. I think that is who the party wants. And I think one of two things will happen. Either the argument that we're going to lose this election no matter what in 2024 will break through and they'll be fine with someone like DeSantis and see that as a way to get rid of him as well. Mm. Or they think they have a chance against Biden. And I think the person they have the best chance against Biden with, to be honest, is Chris Christie. Mm. He can make all of the arguments that neither DeSantis, DeSantis is going to get up on a presidential stage and talk about fucking woke for two hours. Nobody's going to care. He cannot help it. His whole like campaign reset started with them tweeting Nazi shit. So clearly it's, it's just this note and they're going to stick with it and dig deeper and deeper. Christie can actually answer Obama on economic issues. He's much more suave. He's more charismatic. What though? He doesn't sound like Fozzie Bear. Uh, he doesn't have that ridiculous laugh <laughs> or whatever it is. You know, it's like he's, I think it's going to come down to them deciding whether or not they're going to cut their losses for this election get rid of DeSantis as well, serve him up on a platter. He's not going to be Biden. Or if they think they have a chance, which frankly, looking at the polling numbers for Trump, there might be, and let Christie take a shot at it. I think it's going to come down to one of those two. You don't think Nikki Haley or Tim Scott? No, they don't care. Um, they'll make one the of them. No, they'll make one of them. The Washington? I think they might make Nikki Haley the, the vice. Glenn Youngkin coming in at the, at the last minute? Glenn, 
Youngkin will not enter this race if Donald Trump is still in it. He will not do that. He is staying out of it. He does. He doesn't have the stain of COVID on him, unlike pretty much the rest mm. of these people, like especially like DeSantis. Um, he won a state that is very hard to win, an election that frankly Democrats just lost. It is possible he could win in 2028. Very possible. I mean, like super creepy possible because he's like DeSantis light and he won basically running off a of fear of CRT. And um, that's he's very much an anti-public school person. And that argument was effective. So he's not going to waste his political career by getting into the bloodbath, um, going against Trump or DeSantis or anybody else. He wants to stay out of that. If he's smart, he will stay out of that. DeSantis went so far right that the only chance that he would ever have is inheriting MAGA. But him and Trump have been so viciously at war with each other. He's not going to do that. These MAGA crazies, they're not going to forgive him for that shit. And so that's not going to happen. And there's not enough people in the far, 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 far right for him to win. And so I, I really think Youngkin is like, look, I don't want to have to come out against Trump. If I run, I would have to because... Otherwise, how are you going to win? If I do that, though, I lose a lot of this base that I won Virginia with and across the yeah. country. And by staying out of it, I keep my hands clean. I wait my turn. I'll have two terms of governor of Virginia in my leadership without any crazy shit like Ron DeSantis torturing people at Gitmo or living with sex traffickers or being best friends with sex traffickers or possibly sex trafficking himself or COVID or anti-Trump. I mean, DeSantis is too much baggage. And yeah. Youngkin doesn't have that. Youngkin hey, speaking of sex trafficking, I was going to say, so this is this is an amazing analysis and we'll definitely earmark this. Uh, we'll see how it plays out for the presidential election coming up. But speaking of sex trafficking. Segway! Yeah, let's segue into the next part about this piece of shit movie that was filmed in 2018 and finally got money to come out through this elaborate campaign called Sound of Freedom. Tell us a little bit about it, Rebecca. Oh, my God. Okay, first of all, I have not seen it. I don't know if it's a piece of shit film. It could be a very well-directed film. I don't know. Um, people who see it seem to be very moved by it. So possibly it's good. When it comes out and it's free, I'll watch it so that I can do, a, you know, like a report on it. Um, but... Yeah, let's talk about this shit show. I don't need to see a fake ass movie about some fake ass things with a bunch of fallacies in it. I mean, that, every that, like true story movie takes yeah. great liberties with the truth. Let's be honest. The problem with this movie, and this was, I mean, as I heard Sound of Freedom and I saw Jim Caviezel and I was like, nope, not interested. I know exactly what that's going to be. He's a huge QAnon nut. He's been using the yep. press tour from this film to okay let's talk about QAnon then too this is, this and, is a QAnon adjacent movie as it's being yeah. described because it doesn't yeah. mention specifically QAnon it pushes but it, their ideas the plot is set in this QAnon conspiracy theory that has been perpetrated across the social media almost That's almost all the way there QAnon for those of you listening or watching who are not familiar with it what it actually is and I am not exaggerating. I'm not embellishing. I am not adding any color. QAnon believe that there is an underground network of people who kidnap, traffic, sexually abuse, and sacrifice children for the purpose of extracting something from blood. Called that, adrenochrome. Yes. That they drink, which makes them live forever. That is it. Now... As yes, as as crazy as that sounds, I mean, it's basically this is the color part underground vampire cults. It goes specifically to naming people they believe are a part of it. Tom mm -hmm. Hanks was probably they should have never invo invoked Tom Hanks. Nobody's going to believe that he's fucking involved with this shit. That was the biggest mistake. Um, I did not realize Tom it Hanks goes to the Hollywood elites that yeah. they believe are involved with this. Um, and the Democratic Party as a whole, specifically Hillary, Hillary and Bill Clinton. Now, in 2016, this led to 
almost a mass shooting at a pizza parlor, not too far from where I live now, um, in which they were told that a specific pizza parlor had a basement that was being used as a dungeon to hold children because it was near the Capitol um, until they're given to the Clintons or whatever. And a man took a gun, a shotgun, went into this pizza parlor, held up the people there, threatened to kill them if they didn't show him the basement. The pizza parlor doesn't have a basement. Right. And this conspiracy theory, which was developed in Russia years and years ago, um, and is propagated by Mike Flynn, Joseph Flynn, and uh, Roger Stone, and Steve Bannon, um, also purports that Donald Trump is the only person who can save us from them. And that's the very, that's the most important part of this conspiracy because the QAnon people are devout Trump fans. And I mean, he screened QAnon at Mar-a-Lago and um, is apparently just viciously attacking anybody who says anything bad about this movie. Oh, the sound um, of freedom he screened at Mar-a-Lago. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And, you know, they're all big Trumpers. The guy that it's based off of, and now I did not do this original research. Um, if you want to know more about this, check out Jim Stewartson. He's the guy who unmasked Mike Flynn and Joseph Flynn as being behind QAnon. Um, they're currently suing him right now in this like hilariously awful lawsuit. So check out Jim Stewartson, um, support his lawsuit if you can, uh, for his defense. They're suing a lot of people, um, but he's one of them. And uh, he has tracked all of this stuff over time and actually tried to warn me in 2021 that they were targeting me before I got kicked off Twitter. He sent me this email in like March or April. Hang on. Oh, I, cut this part off. I keep having to sneeze and it's not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> sorry the cats are like in the room right now sleeping in this little tree and so it's oh, okay they're the most adorable yes adorbs. So they are um jim stewartson warned me sent me an email in like early april 2021 saying look the people who are targeting you right now have been targeting me and they got me permanently banned from twitter and i get weird warnings especially during that period of time all the time and so I actually kind of arrogantly messaged him back. I was like, thanks, I'm good. Um, because it's a weird thing to be like, hey, the QAnon people are now stalking you and harassing you and they're on a campaign to get you banned from Twitter, which they did. And so, yeah, in, in retrospect, I should have listened to Jim, but you never know who's crazy and who's not. So, yeah, he's been following all of this QAnon stuff. He made a documentary with Midas um, that was supposed to come out. And then I think... Joseph Flynn or one of Mike Flynn of them threatened uh, Midas and they pulled it, but it was finished and everything, but he, he's great at this. And um, he's tracked down Tim Ballard, who this movie is supposedly based off of mm -hmm. the organization that he's a part of. Turns out that organization has expelled him and disassociated with him and even put up like a myth and fact thing about the movie saying that, you know, a lot of these scenes never happened. He never went to like Columbia or whatever. Um, and that he's embellished, you know, parts of his story about how he was involved with the organization and kids that they've saved. Um, all experts pretty much in law enforcement and sex trafficking say that this is a bad movie. It misrepresents the world of child sex trafficking and child abuse, um, right. which all evidence, if, if we're talking trafficking versus abuse, would also agree with that assessment because most people who are going to be sexually abused as children are going to be abused by people they know. Family they know? Actually the, the number one source of child abuse, um, sexual abuse, and then, you know, school, church, all those things are way more likely to harm children. I mean, look at the fucking Catholic church. So, and yeah. Voice out. Yes. Uh, if you want to talk about organized, um, well-funded institutions that are sexually exploiting children the catholic church is all over the place feel free to go after them and make a movie about that but um so basically none of this is really a true story 
And it reinforces the QAnon theory that hundreds of thousands of children are just right. being taken on the street corner and right. being put into underground dungeons and being trafficked for whatever purposes. And that's not the reality. Um, yeah. And if you say anything about the movie's maybe factual misrepresentations, not that this is not an issue that it doesn't need um, attention or support, mm-hmm. then you get called a pedophile or right. a you know pedophile enabler. And I made this video after I saw some other videos about why that's happening. So like, I don't, Trump isn't my number one enemy. Everybody knows that. Um, I really don't give two shits about what crappy movies come out. But I started to see some people talking about how the movie was being astroturfed. Mm. You know what astroturf is? It's basically fake grass that's meant to imitate real grass. And in the same way, astroturfing for something like this means that they're impersonating a grassroots movement by major funders buying out all the tickets and then there being empty theaters so that it looks like theaters are sold out and the people uh-huh. talk about the movie, which worked. And there were a couple videos circulating. There was a manager at a movie theater talking about how all of these showtimes were sold out, but like six people showed up. And I noticed the people who posted that were getting viciously attacked. So I said, ah, what the hell? I'm going out that way tonight anyways. I'm going to buy a ticket to see Mission Impossible because it was indeed sold out at this theater for that time. And just use it to get into the theater so I can take a picture and see how many people are actually there. Um, I was there a couple minutes before the scheduled showtime and there was no one there. Not a single person for a sold out theater. Yeah, some people could have come late or like a couple minutes later. But the whole theater was empty. And so I was like, holy shit, I think they're right. And so I tested it again when I went to see Barbie, which started like 10 minutes after the QAnon showtime. uh, It once again was all sold out. And so I thought I'll just pop in to see if there's people there and check it a second time. Different time of the day, different, you know, circumstances and there were a couple people there but the theater was still probably 85 percent empty and i even they were still showing commercials even though it was after the scheduled start time and i showed my watch to make sure that people knew exactly what time it was and i actually walked up to one of them and i said what movie are you here to see and this people were like why are you asking me these things and the woman was like i I don't know and so she didn't even know what fucking movie that she was going there to see and so she looked it up and she was like oh it's the sound of freedom i was like the 645 showing right and she was like yeah i looked more again i was like oh it's 647 okay and walked out and i guess the the hardcore proof of that you know because i screenshot at the sold out theater and all this other stuff and i showed my ticket it was too hard to try to debunk. So what they did was turn it into another conspiracy. And this is probably my fault, guys. The conspiracy now is that the theaters are falsely stating hmm. that all of the showtimes are sold out to prevent people oh, right. from seeing the movie. Because mm-hmm. theaters hate having money. Yes. Yeah. Um and I'm like, oh, they're shit. struggling too. By the way, like the theaters at this point, especially after COVID, like they thought the whole thing was going to go under, right? Because people stopped going and they started streaming movies. So yeah, they they're definitely in the business of just pretending that these movies that they're trying to make money off of uh, are full. Yeah, and there's two conflicting conspiracies here. Um, <laughs> but the the facts that I put it out there can't really be disputed. And other people went and tested it and found the same thing. So one defense of it is that the studio that produced it, Angel Studios, I mean, come on, the names right here should set off some major fucking flags, bought a lot of tickets nationwide to give to people for free if they can't afford it. First of all, that's fucking weird. That's weird. Let's just be honest. That's a terrible marketing plan. You're going to just buy out all the tickets and they're still being reported as sold because somebody's buying them. They are. And I think they bought like two million or something like that. Crazy amount of tickets. But if they're just giving out free tickets to the movie theater during, and this was one of our other topics, one of the hottest Julys, if not, we'll see what happens this week, the hottest July 
in the last mm. 250,000 years. That's like three hours in a very heavily air conditioned freezing movie theater to see a movie that people are talking about, which you could probably care less about, but still that's out of the heat. You're out of your house. I would take a free ticket to see fucking anything. I mean, like that's, that's probably what that lady that you talked to did. Cause I did hear that you could like gift uh, one, right? So well, they asked so- for that at the end of the film, apparently they're like, Oh, scan this code and buy tickets for someone else. So really, I don't know what how successful that is, but a share of the people who actually go see it are just buying two tickets. And right. apparently nobody's really taking them. That was my theory about the lady I asked too. I think they probably just got free tickets from somebody and were like, let's get out of the heat, get out of the house for a little while, go watch a movie. And I've heard about it. It seems like it's popular. And even though they were children there, sure, why not go see the child sex trafficking film with your family? But um, that didn't seem, you didn't even know what she was there to see. But if that's true, then nobody's actually using them. Right. But all they see is the ticket sales. And then, you know, the New York Times totally fell for it and was like, oh, the unexpected blockbuster hit that no one is fucking going to see. So the, the two parallel theories now are that, oh, it's the studio buying out all the tickets so people can go see for free, even though nobody's going to see it. Which, by the way, is astroturfing. Yeah. That is part of the astroturfing is the studio itself buying all the tickets, which it gets back a share of most of it, actually, because theaters make the majority of their money off of the concessions. Mm-hmm. Um, they only make a tiny bit off of ticket sales. So you're getting that money back and all these theaters sold out. It looks like millions of people want you to see your movie when nobody did um, or B and also be at the same time it's like an and or type thing theaters are falsely saying it's sold out so you can't go see it so it's this is the insanity of like QAnon. even when you come with like irrefutable proof that something is happening they're like either just dredging up fake news conspiracies for an excuse or you know they will use it and be like see i mean i had so many q like oh my god they're trying to stop people from seeing this movie and i'm like holy shit i walked right into the theater and no one was there and i could have stayed and watched the whole thing so it's not like they guarded it off or roped it off or something like that they did play the movie so you could go see it and i was it just and none of the and every time i watch this this is the most curious thing none of the um uh, i'm trying to think of the right word accessible seats were sold out so the theater always has designated accessible seats that are specifically for people who have disabilities and their companions. So they'll have wheelchair spaces and then there's a space next to the wheelchair space that's supposed to be for a person with that per- with the wheelchair so they can sit together. Um, but none of those were sold out. And so I got asked about that a lot. And I was like, that is kind of weird. So I went back and I tried to like purchase an accessible seat and there's an additional box that pops up that you have to acknowledge that that seat's designated for um, people with disabilities or their companions, and you have to hit okay. Now, if you were buying in bulk theater tickets through some kind of online algorithm or scam, that would break your thing. And so the mm-hmm. easiest thing to do is to not have it coded to go that extra step and just have all the rest of them sold. And so at least that's my hypothesis after testing it several times and seeing that every single time, all of the accessible seats were still empty. And um, yeah, so it's, I I was just like shocked to see the number of QAnon people who were using what I was saying as proof that no one wants you to see it. Um, Especially when the studio is like, we have three people being in a cult. I mean, it's just doubling down, right? It's double down and pivot, double down and pivot, right? It's because, one crazy woman holy shit she was like i mean i had the screenshot that showed the theater in the time i had my ticket stub which i got in person it was like the printed one they gave me which i haven't gotten one of those in forever um that had the time and and all that other the theater and all that other stuff and this one woman went absolutely insane on twitter she was like how do we even know that theater's playing that movie and i was like you you can go to the theater's website and they'll show you the show times for it and she could not accept that i think maybe it would have broken her brain yeah so she dug in and went crazy and crazier and i literally ended the conversation with holy shit you're in a cult get help before i blocked yeah. her 
Yeah. It is maddening. It yeah. is maddening. Like the the complete lack of reality for these people. It, it's it's scary. And then these people are going in hordes to see a movie that is going to teach them that their children aren't safe playing in their front yard because there's kidnappers waiting to traffic them on every yeah. street corner. Um, yeah. And so they're becoming more paranoid. And yep. through the stars and the people associated with the film, they're being introduced to QAnon, um, which answers a question that the film really apparently doesn't, which is where are all these kids really going and what are they doing with them? Um, well, if you follow the act, lead actor and the people behind it, you'll find out they're draining their blood so they stay young forever, even though all the people that they've accused of being part of it look old as like look like crypt keepers, but I guess it doesn't work very well. I don't know. But um, yeah, it's it's a gateway drug, I think, to QAnon. The movie itself reinforces some of the foundational QAnon themes. First, you have to convince people that children are being trafficked in this way by anonymous strangers at in mass all over the world. Once yeah. you've convinced them of that, you start to lay on the other things. Yeah. So the biggest thing for me, and I think I'll just go back to it, you know, because I teach about trafficking and have taught for the better part of, you know, well, more than a decade now at the university that I work at, I teach a section about human trafficking, about what it looks like. Right. And I am always, always kind of combating the disinformation in the class or the misinformation that the students come in with, right? First, it was that movie Taken, right? Where it was the young, cute, white girl goes to Europe and then she gets snatched, right? So I was like, hey, not really how it works <laughs> kind of thing, right? And um, and now, like, I see more of this, you know, oh, it's this child sex trafficking. Everybody's really focused in on it. And I think the most unfortunate thing is, is that, first of all, because the numbers of like actually trafficking and counting how many people are trafficked and the different types of ways that people are trafficked um, is difficult. And so the numbers can look really huge and people aren't really great with understanding the boundaries around numbers. Is this my town, my city, my country, right? Um, is it one year? Is it 10 years? Because I've seen organizations involved in trafficking and fighting trafficking that will say like, oh, it's, you know, 20 million children, but it's 20 million children over, you know, whatever, 20 years or something like that, right? Um, and it's not all child sex trafficking, because essentially, in most of the ways that they calculate human trafficking, they're throwing in things like essentially all child labor is considered trafficking by the International Labor Organization, which is the biggest organization that that tracks these data. And produces reputable reports on it, right? So any child that is working is considered exploited and trafficked because they do not have the, the legal capacity to enter into contracts themselves, right? So this has a tendency to make the numbers look different. And everybody thinks that sex trafficking is the number one form of trafficking, and it's actually not. It's labor trafficking. Yeah. Um, and in the United States, it often ends up being sex trafficking, but it's not even necessarily minors that's the largest proportion of that. Um, and so if we are going to talk about people sex trafficking minors, why doesn't the MAGA movement target Matt fucking Gates? The only reason that they didn't charge him with a crime, according to the prosecutor, uh, who got a promotion after deciding not to charge him, which was weird, mm. Um, was because the victim was not considered reliable because she might have a grudge. The vi I, I mean, I don't know too many victims that are think fondly of their abusers um, that once they've been out of it and everything. But uh, yeah, so that was the reason that Matt Gates was not charged, even though he absolutely did have sex with a 17-year-old girl flyer across state lines uh, purportedly a lot of drug use was involved that's sex trafficking of a minor by mm -hmm. a very powerful political person mm -hmm. and yet this MAGA crowd loves him 
Yeah. Because it's not based on reality. It's based on this, this, there's this big scary thing and it's the Democrats and the cabal that are doing this. It's underground. But nobody ever thinks about like, oh, why don't we see that? And they go, oh, it's because they don't tell you about it. No, that's horseshit. And, and, I'll, and I'll give you an example of this. And, and I know that we're getting short on time. But this is the, um, I, the young woman, I believe it's like Kaylee Richardson. That just came out the the young woman who had said that she was following a baby on the side of the road and then re- reported that she yeah. had been kidnapped. And turns out that's all horseshit. Now that trope right there is something I've seen spread around the internet quite a bit. Like it's like danger, young women, don't get out and follow a toddler on the side of the road. It's a ruse for trafficking. I As didn't hear if, that the the lady thing was. No, I haven't been. I've been so no, busy. Who came stuff. out? Um, I think it was yesterday her and her attorney had made a statement that said she was there was no kidnapping. There was no baby and that she was, you know, apologized or whatever. But like I I immediately as soon as I heard that, I knew that that was from one of these anti-trafficking memes. Right. That I've seen. And it's like because on the Web, what is being shared, for instance, in like mom groups and things like that is like, oh, it don't these are the things that you have to do to protect yourself because they've been put in their mind that there's this epidemic of women and young girls basically being snatched off the street which is not happening by the way it's not happening um there's a ton of reasons why trafficking does happen and the most vulnerable people by the way in the entire planet for trafficking are refugees right so people who are traveling and vulnerable are the most likely to be picked up and trafficked okay because nobody knows that they're missing Suburban white lady in in Naples, not a huge risk because somebody's going to notice her ass missing. Okay. And so the same thing with like this story of this young woman who went missing, right? This became a national story and it happened once. Okay. And I knew it was fake because I had seen the meme go around. And then it turns out, oh yeah, it was actually fake. Now we'll, well she see. Wasn't, this. She was not white, just to be clear. No, she was not white. She was yeah. she was a black woman. And then actually that triggered a whole other thing about people not caring about black yes, women or and Native Americans. That, and it looks like I am going to have to issue a correction and apology because I did reshare that article when she supposedly went missing, which to be fair, nobody knew it was a hoax at the time. As far as the police right. were concerned, they were looking for this woman right? Um, and how nobody pays attention to it when, you know, people of color, especially women of color go missing. Um, right. So I'm going to have to, do that. There's that damn baby thing, though. And I knew it because I had seen those things being shared before. So I immediately go, uh-uh, somebody is, like, faking this thing that they saw on online. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's it's terrible. And, yeah, of course, there's, there is a whole thing about young Black girls m- going missing. But, again, it's poverty. It's being vulnerable. Um, same thing on the, the Native American reservations and things like that. Those are the biggest factors that lead to child trafficking. Okay, it's not something that every single person that walks out of their home has to be concerned about. Um, And and as women, we are far more likely um, to be raped by someone we know than we are to be kidnapped and trafficked by someone we don't. Yeah, fantastic. That was a fantastic conversation that I had with my kids as well as we're like driving home this weekend because, you know, these things were in the news and I was telling them, I said, yeah, well, you know, you have to be careful. And then they're like, well, who do we have to be careful of? I'm like, well, everybody. <laughs> like, well, I said, well, perfect ingredients, though, because children right. are innocent um, right. unless they're 13 year old black holding a BB gun and then a pair or 11. How old was Tamir Rice? 11. 11. Uh, and then it deserve to be murdered point blank range um or Trayvon Martin who was 16 at the time um but yeah it's everybody wants to protect children nobody wants children to be hurt it is a parent's worst nightmare for something like that to happen so it is literally playing off of our most basic fears and so that's that's part of the reason why it's so effective there's nothing more terrifying as a parent than thinking about something horrible happening to, to your child, unless you're a Republican in school shootings. I mean, apparently they don't care about that. But. It's a lot easier to tell your children, oh, be careful of strangers, right? And actually, that's what our my conversation with my kids were, because um, they were going stranger danger, and they, they always joke, oh, there's a white van. like, And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's kind of funny. And yeah, of course, like we should stay away from weird, strange people that we don't know. I said, however, to really protect yourself, you have to understand 
that who you can trust, who you can talk to, and you have to have an understanding of body autonomy. And that's why, and I was telling them, I was like, that's why it's important when somebody says no and stop that you respect them, right? Because it's that ability to empower the children that they're going to know if something is happening to them, right? At the very least. And that's not even necessarily going to prevent it, but that's the real scenario. It's a heck of a lot harder to have that conversation that I had with my kids than it is just like, hey, don't take lollipops from strangers, everybody. All right. Well, we've covered some horribly nasty things um, today. <laughs> we've gone over time a little what a bit. We've a lot to catch up on. What a journey. Um, next week, by the time we film, it will be August. So we will get to review what is likely going to go down as the hottest July in the history of man. Um, because all of the, the whole month will be available. And... Um, that will be fun. IPCC meeting is going on right now, by the way, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. It's the 59th meeting of the IPCC. So we've had large scale international governmental collaboration on climate change for almost 60 years. And guess what? Nobody gives a shit. We're still burning up on the inside. So I guess that'll be next week, huh, Rebecca? <laughs> yeah, we'll see you guys next week. And we'll be talking about, you know, the end of the planet. So that's fun. No big deal. deal. Um, As always, thank you for listening. Um, If you are listening to this, I'm going to let Cindy do all of her subscribe things, but also let you know that the studio producing the documentary about my journey in Florida is currently fundraising to finish the film, the editing, and get it into Sundance. We have until August 4th to raise our goal or we don't get to keep anything we've raised so far. And there's quite a bit that we've already raised. So that's the rules with Kickstarter. It's an all or nothing thing. So please, if you can go to Kickstarter, look Josh Fox and Rebecca Jones up, or you can go to bit.ly slash Rebecca dash Jones dash Kickstarter, or go to my Twitter page and it's in the bio or just Google Rebecca Jones, Josh Fox Kickstarter. I'm sure it'll come up. Um, Put it in the, in the show notes as well. Yes. And um, I have it tweeted like a million times every single day. I agreed to it and that's what I'm going to do. So please help us because this is our best chance to really tell Florida's COVID story. It's much bigger than just me. Um, It's bigger than Ron DeSantis. This is about what happened in the state of Florida and how it led the rest of the nation in COVID disinformation and uh, well beyond the reach of Donald Trump. So Please help us out. $5, $10. There's perks available. You can get everything from a special thanks to a movie credit. You actually, we have a special thanks section in the theater that will have, you know, all the names of the people who donate $100. If you're super fancy and you want to have Josh Fox and I come to a private screening with you, then that's available, although it's a lot more. Um, Just help us out because the story needs to be told. DeSantis had a documentary about his time at Gitmo shut down um, the day after he declares presidency by mm-hmm. that Vice was producing the showrunners apparently feared political retaliation and so decided to cancel it the day after he declared yeah. his campaign. So let's not let him continue to silence the truth about who he is and what he's done. Now I'll let Cindy do all of her things and then we will check out and see you guys next week. That's right. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been Rebecca Jones, aka Miss Informational, and I've been your co-host, Dr. Cindy Banier. You can find this and all of our amazing programming on Big Mouth Media's website at BigMouthMediaFL.com. You can subscribe to this show for $4.99 a month. That helps us keep the lights on and keep the film rolling. $49.99 a year. You can also help us by getting a subscription to all of the shows that we have at Big Mouth Media for $19.99 a month or $199 a year. Again, you help support independent media. You help to raise the voice of people like Rebecca Jones by supporting us here at Big Mouth Media. Don't forget to check us out, BigMouthMediaFL.com. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on Misinformational. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining Misinformational with Rebecca Jones, brought to you by Big Mouth Media. Stay connected by visiting Misinformational.com, and check out all the great shows and articles on Big Mouth Media FL. You can also join the conversation with us on Facebook, Instagram, and the cesspool that's Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to Misinformational wherever you get your podcasts.
See you next time.